out there, and welcome to No Stupid Answers, episode 12, the show with the most qualified people discussing and answering the most interesting questions from Reddit. I'm Colton Wallace, joined by Queen of Podcasting, Lori Asafa. What's up? PhD, Dr. Jessica Yazarians. Hi, friends. And our resident linguist, Josh Lieto. Hey, Colton. In this statement, I'm using my words to metaphorically tap the goalposts as a goalie might before the beginning of a hockey game. Nice. So you're 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 a goalie. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to. I'm ready to take the first shot. You're gonna save this podcast. <laughs> you're ready to save the first shot. I think. I'm ready to take the first shot. Did you ever get that uh, Van Beezer action figure? Yeah, I dude. I sent a pic- I sent you guys a picture of it. <laughs> Come on. You Wait, know this. I thought that was just a picture of the list. Okay, so I did a little bit of research after because you were like, I don't remember Vian Beesbrook on the flyers. I did a little bit of uh, background research, and yeah, so he was the hotshot goalie on the Panthers that took them to the took the Panthers to the Stanley Cup Finals, but then they got totally pummeled by the Colorado Avalanche. Anyways, then it was like the next season he was up. And the Flyers took him, and, you know, it just wasn't a good match with their defensive line. That's the reason you had no idea, because he was a bad goalie at the Flyers. He was bad. I gotcha. <laughs> Poor guy. Thanks for that uh, Van Beezer tidbit for us. Um, we'll look for more Van Beezer talk in the future. So let's move into the questions for this week. Our first question, uh, posted on Reddit by user JarWeb, and the question is, what's the deal with drinking at weddings and special events? Doesn't it just ruin the experience? You forget most of what happened, potentially ruin the event depending on how much you drink, and then feel awful the next day. If it were me, I wouldn't want the only thing I remember to be the hangover the next day. Woof. <laughs> I think somebody had a bad experience of I drinking I think so, too. Much. too. <laughs> <laughs> or not enough experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I first of all, why do people drink? It's usually free. So when else are you going to have an open bar or opportunity to drink for free? That's like, that's why I think it happens because people are offering it. Yeah. The obvious answer is there's a difference between drinking and drinking to an amount that you forget what happened. Um, So you don't, you don't have to drink that much at an event, but I think a lot of people would disagree with the idea of not drinking at all at an event because I mean, when you when you're going to like something like a wedding, or like if it's a family event, um, a lot of times you're dealing with family you don't talk to very often, or at a wedding you could be dealing with people you don't really even know at all. And I much prefer to have a couple drinks in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, it just helps me to kind of take it all in stride and just make conversation with these people for no reason. It's a yeah. social lubricant. Is that exactly. what they call it? That's kind of a gross word. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a bit awkward in um, some scenarios, like at weddings where I don't know very many people, and it for sure helps get me to just to have a, a good time. And also, what else are you going to do with your hands? You got a whole drink. <laughs> yeah, I would be. I would be on the train of alcohol, but I don't kind of don't like the way it kind of makes you feel later. After you had have had some alcohol and kind of makes you sick and kind of just makes me say hands off. <laughs> yeah, you just uh, you're totally sober at the weddings. I think at a wedding, uh, I think that Lori hits the nail on the head. I think that if it's free, then people aren't going to drink it, whatever it is. And I think that Jarweb must have had an interesting experience that I would personally love to hear more about. Let me put it this way, Jarweb. You know exactly what you did. (laughs) Right. I'm curious to know if this was him personally or if this is other people he has seen. And I think a lot of people when they're younger, when they're like, you know, in their early 20s or maybe in other countries, I guess, once you're like 18, go through the experience of over drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe Jarweb, I don't know, maybe in your early 20s. But um, I think once you... After a few years, you probably will get better control of that, and you will just kind of drink a few drinks, and then it kind of works great for social situations. Um, like, I, I don't mind talking to people, but if I have, like, three drinks, I can make all kinds of friends that I, of people I didn't even know at a wedding. 
You can also just tell me at my own wedding that I'm a bitch. <laughs> did i say that <laughs> yeah i just i just looked at you and i was just like i was just me and dan just standing there i wasn't even drinking at that point because it had been you know three days and you're just like i need you to quit acting like such a bitch like quit being such a whatever so i just look at you and i was like what are you talking about like like look at what oh, we're doing <laughs> which day of the wedding was this this was the celebration on Sunday night, so it was just a I funny moment. I stand by my statement. Yeah, I stand by my statement. <laughs> Let's put it this way. We can all agree that alcohol increases extroversion, and yeah. that's going to be performed through the lens of who you are as a person, whether or not you're, you are an asshole or not. There's also a very fundamental thing that happens at most weddings, not all weddings, but dancing is a big thing, and... I don't think people normally feel comfortable doing that type of like kind of dancing in front of many people they don't know unless they have some kind of uh, liquid courage or courage in general. So I think that that also leans into a more energi- like energetic environment that also supports kind of doing silly things like dancing. Yeah, that's definitely true. I feel like I have to have too many drinks in order to have any interest in dancing. <laughs> yeah. When someone uh, we knew was getting married, the bride was mad at me because I didn't want to go dance. I had like, I think I'd had like one beer and I was like, there's no way I can go out and dance with having only one beer. <laughs> so what'd you do? How'd you solve that problem? I just didn't. I was like, I, Wait, I, did, I so you do you said dance? no to the bride? Or you didn't drink more. I, well, I couldn't drink that. I mean, I would have had to drink a lot really fast at that point. <laughs> I, just, I just hate dancing. So the only time I really will ever get out there is with, like, too many drinks. <laughs> I am not a very good person to go. Like, whoever this is, they would not like going to a wedding with me. I usually try to convince the bartenders to give everybody shots. And uh, force people on the dance floor. So, sorry. I'm that guy. You're an instigator. Yeah. Some days you just got to have fun. You know, I just like to have fun. I just feel bad for people who don't understand the joy of dancing. Oh, Josh, are you a big dancer, huh? I love dancing. I will dance right now with no alcohol. (laughs) He actually does dance a lot. Yeah, I have a I have a natural rhythm, so I'm really great at counting, oh. counting the beat as we go, and that allows me to synchronize my movements with the beat. Good thing this is not a video podcast. <laughs> oh, excuse you. <laughs> uh, just kidding, Josh. You have good dance moves. All right, so our advice on drinking at weddings and special events is have fun responsibly. Amen. <laughs> Always responsibly. All right. Our uh, next question posted on Reddit by user MiguelDragon82. Question is, my friend says that if she uses a piece of clothing for five hours and then reuses it the next month for another five hours, that she doesn't need to wash it. So his question is, is that true? And I think it depends on the clothing, but I've definitely had, there's definitely clothes I have like, you know, pants or like sweatshirts that I will wear multiple times before I wash them. Yeah, agreed. And there's like some um, like advice columns that will say not to wash your jeans like hardly ever. So like you'll find things on the internet where they'll recommend putting your jeans in the freezer for like a day or 24 hours or 48 hours instead of cleaning them instead of washing them. So Jessica, does that work with is that all pants? I thought it was like a raw denim thing. So it is a raw denim thing. I've heard about it done to other types of pants. And the the reason behind that or the reasoning behind that is that it, you know, kills any bacteria in that amount of time and it helps reduce any smells that might be in the fabric. Um, so I think that it would apply to other um, types of pants rather than just raw denim. But like, how would you feel if you found my pants in the freezer? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be fine with it. I just hope that, like, you know, they weren't getting on other stuff, I guess. 
I do not have a big enough freezer for all of our jeans, though, so that's not going to work. <laughs> I've never put jeans in the freezer, so I've actually never tested this out myself, but I do know it's a thing. Yeah, I've heard it with raw denim, and I've also heard that a lot of times that raw denim will smell really bad. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, like, when people wear it for, because you, you're supposed to, like, wear them and not wash them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know how it does it. I guess it really depends on how like gross you are as a person, like how what? smelly or I mean, sweaty you what are. What if you go outside in like, you know, 95 degree weather, have to walk around, you got your raw denim on, and then I'll just like, I'll pop it in the freezer. It'll go away. Is that, <laughs> is that true? I don't know. I think there's a gradient to this. I think there's like a point of no return where you're probably going to have to get the salt (laughs) and other compounds out of the cloth. But I think in general, things like pants, sweatshirts, denim jackets, and things like that, I don't really think you need to wash them every time you wear them. But I think it also just depends on if you got it dirty or not, or if you've been sweating. For sure. Josh, do you wash your clothes? (laughs) (laughs) I wash my clothes uh, on an as-needed basis. I think that the question the user posed seems simple on the surface, but if you really get down to it, it's going to happen. The answer is going to lie across the spectrum. So, for example, if you're just sitting behind a computer for five hours and maybe eating some Cheez-Its or some light snacks and refreshments, then you take those clothes off and then you wear it a month later and do the same thing, Maybe you don't have to wash that, but if you do a mud run or are participating in American Ninja Warrior, and that takes four minutes, 45 seconds approximately for one run, so including preparation time, camera, uh, coaching, all these kinds of things. So throw in 15 minutes on either end to get to the arena, and then you know that's your five hours. But I would say that you might want to actually that might be another case in which you might not want to actually wash those clothes that you used at American Ninja Warrior. Um, <laughs> Just framed with the mud on them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Clothes are really, you know, what you do with the clothes and what happens to clothes and what they undergo can give the clothes a lot of significance or I find more often none at all. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for that mathematically calculated description. (laughs) Um, Calculated. Comment in the Reddit thread from uh, JoeyPants27S. I wouldn't do that. In fact, if I haven't worn something in a few months and plan on wearing it, I'll rewash it just for good practice. To me, that sounds crazy. If if I haven't worn something in a few months and it's like in my closet, like I'm not gonna rewash it. As long as oh, Lori does this to my clothes and I get so mad at her when she I'm like, why did you wash this? It was just like we saw it, it like it, it it's like it came out of hiding. It's like oh, it has to be washed. Okay, it's like it's fine. Let me defend myself. Yes, I do tend to wash my clothes against what normal people would like. I like if I've worn my jeans once. I like to wash it. But also, I am not always like the most tidy person. Like, I will kind of have some clothes around my room. And then every now and again, I just pick up everything that's on the floor and I throw it in the washer. So if he takes something out of the drawer, leaves it on the ground, whether it's clean or dirty, it's going into the washer (laughs) because that is my cleanup routine. Um, But also... If I have clothes that I put in like a suitcase and I go travel and I don't wear that item, that's also going into the washer because it smells weird. Like, I think clothes really depend on smell. Like, does Mm -hmm. it smell weird? So if you did something for five hours, which is oddly specific, I I'm very curious of what you're doing for five hours. It's not a full work day, but it's a half work day. Like, I don't know what's going on there. Um, So if you do something, if you do something for five hours and it doesn't smell and it looks clean, there's no stains and you fold it up and put it back in your closet by all means. But you know what will happen for me? I will take it off. I'll throw it on the ground. And then in two days, I'll pick everything up and I'll put it in the washer. That's just my process. Yeah, I sometimes my stuff gets thrown like not folded up nicely in the closet again. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, confession time. Um, <laughs> I, I have definitely before like worn a pair of pants that I thought was still clean. And I'm like, oh, this pair is clean. And they smell fine and everything. 
But then I'll be like, you know, a few hours later, I'll look and there's like a stain on my pants. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so try to avoid that. Yeah. Yes. So I think it is uh, based on your own like comfort. But if you have people kind of like sitting a little further away from you because your clothes smell, maybe maybe put them in the wash. <laughs> All right. Stay clean out there. Uh, our next question uh, posted on Reddit by user Squickity. And the question is, can thinking positive thoughts really change life's course? This question might seem silly even. But I had to ask because I see so many people claiming that their lives are changed by being optimistic and positive, even in shitty situations. Any idea if this actually works? I've tried a couple of times and ended up feeling more disheartened when things didn't work out. I appreciate your thoughts. Thanks. Oh, I like this person. What a nice question. (laughs) (laughs) Phrase so nicely. I think that there is an element of positive thinking that can help you reframe problems. I don't think it solves the problem, but Mm -hmm. I do think that it gives you a different lens to look at the problem and different solutions for it. Um, And I do feel like if you put in a certain energy, you kind of get out a certain energy. Um, So I guess in short, I do think it does have an impact on your life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Like, I think it can help you stay motivated mm-hmm. in a way. And I also, it's, it's not that it's like a magic wand, but it probably can aid you in the progression of making things better, you know, and you don't have to be grossly positive. I like overly positive people who have, they're, they're just way too high up there on the positive at like seven in the morning. But that's, <laughs> that's a personal thing. You need to have some kind of belief in yourself. So that like positive outlook would be like you believing you have the confidence so then that's probably going to alter a lot of how you project yourself, which and then is going to influence somewhat how situations turn out. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that like when you were talking about that, Colton, I was thinking about like this idea of like toxic positivity. Mm-hmm. Have you any, have you yeah. ever heard that? Or oh, yes. Like I've, that? I've, I've definitely yeah, heard I've that. encountered it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think this is maybe what the user is um encountering or or maybe even trying to practice that's mm-hmm. leaving them just feeling disheartened right um because i think in the way that i understand toxic positivity it's hollow it's like trying to be optimistic but not realistic and so you need to have both um things to make any positive changes in your life what lori and colton already said in reframing problems and like finding some motivation both those things can come from you know having a positive attitude but if you don't have like a realistic sense of a situation as well it really sucks like if you just pretend everything is okay it's not being realistic so i think it becomes really superficial and um, more detrimental in that aspect i think that you need to find a balance between being optimistic or positive and also realistic in your certain you know, life situations. Yeah, definitely. I definitely have encountered a lot of that, like kind of false optimism that leads Mm -hmm. to just like empty promises and, and high heightened expectations that aren't met. Um, I see this a lot actually at work. I don't know if Mm -hmm. other people see this, but like people being around and chatting about like a certain project or something and completely ignoring the root problems, which can just get mm-hmm. really frustrating. Cause you're like, why are you not like realizing what's going on? And I think that you have to have, I like how you said it, like the realistic expectations with a positive attitude that you can make things mm-hmm. happen um, mm-hmm. and reframing those problems and kind of challenging things and, and going at it with a, just an open mind. But I have definitely encountered this like, oh, everything is like rainbows and sparkles and it's all going to be okay. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but you haven't <laughs> solved any of the problem. So how is it going to be okay? Yeah, I, I've always felt like when that toxic positivity I see in like the workplace, it comes off as fake. And it also kind of feels like they're trying to be manipulative with it. Mm. and kind of get more out of workers by exhibiting like this false positivity or what feels like a false positivity. And and to me, it's always just been uh, grading, I guess. <laughs> and I, I can't stand it. Well, is the positivity you're talking about, Colton, maybe just 
Are you referring to people being overly polite or something too? I just think positivity and positive thoughts and ideas are on a big range. Um, Yeah, I guess I would say it's usually people who are managers of teams and they want to apply all these positivity things and like, here's our magical feelings board where we all write stuff (laughs) down and then they leave the room and then they just want to implement all these magical positive things, but they're not the one it's, it's like a weird thing to try to apply to other people and then be super positive when you get to be there for an hour of it. And then just, you know, just then you just fly off after the hour's done and you've sprinkled your positivity all over it. It just comes <laughs> like it comes off as like I, 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 like disingenuous. Super, yeah, disingenuous and it just has always irritated me so much. I, I see what you're saying, I think. You know, and I'm I'm not saying I'm right or they're right, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just not positive and they are, but to <laughs> me that's just what it comes off as. The question also reminded me of if anyone remembers the book. I believe it's a series of books called The Secret. Yeah, I was actually going to bring this up as uh, well. I, I yeah, think somebody in the um, Reddit thread actually brought that book up. That makes sense. That was just the first thing it reminded me of because it was basically that, like, the, oh, it's this book that has the secret, and of course, the secret is that there is no secret really. <laughs> it's that like the secret is no secret, which is like just think positive thoughts. Yeah, and it's like trying to tell people to like just will their different lives into existence if you just put it on a mood board (laughs) right it's like good it's good for like the book is good for like a couple inspirational quotes (laughs) and then that's about it but it's like oh yeah the secret of life like the book is a demonstration as to how there is no secret to life like this type of thinking though like it becomes toxic to me because If you follow that logic, like all I have to do to make my life good and to accomplish the things that I want, you know, X, Y, and Z is just to think positive and will it into existence. And then if you have even a slight bit of doubt, like you might feel guilt about it, or you start to feel like blame, like, and, and, you know, like misguided blame for not thinking positive enough about it. And then, you know, somehow getting in your Mm -hmm. own way. And it's just like a way to... I guess, like, torture yourself a little bit more. And I just don't think that that's good. Yeah, and I could see how that could become a vicious cycle for yourself. There's been situations where I'll be, like, expressing a a feeling and maybe I'm not having a good day. But, like, have you ever had somebody be like, oh, just think positive about it? And it's, like, so diminishing, right? I didn't necessarily Mm -hmm. need advice or anything like that but i think it can be a way that people minimize other people's experiences and their feelings and kind of shut people down and i think that that is a way that toxic positivity can be really harmful to people i think i have definitely been that person sometimes where i'm like i don't know how to help this person like <laughs> and you do like you're just like that sucks like i don't There's like, it's really hard. I think we had a question on the podcast a long time ago about this of like, how do you kind of make people. Have you ever felt a pain so deep (laughs) that makes your chest? What was the question? It was was the Mighty Mighty Boston song. Um, Yes. (laughs) Knock on wood. Um, Have you ever felt. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that. For me, I've done a lot of things in corporate cultures and stuff like that. And I realized very quickly that you can't like make something better if you don't acknowledge the frustration in the room. Right. And so one of my like, anytime I'm doing something for work, I always try to at least have some place where people can air their frustrations and be heard Mm -hmm. because I think that's also another thing that you're getting at Jessica is like, you don't feel seen or you don't feel heard. And when somebody comes in with positive, like reinforcement and stuff, and it completely ignores what they're really feeling or what they're going through, that makes you feel very much minuscule. Like it makes you feel really tiny and not heard or not seen. And I think that is the, like, that's where I get really frustrated is like, 
You're completely ignoring everything else that's going on around you. And you're not creating the space for me to share, but also not willing to keep an open mind to hear what's really Mm -hmm. going on. Um, And so anytime I create something, it's like, there's always a moment where it's like, let's actually talk about the real stuff. Because the real Mm -hmm. stuff, you can still be optimistic on solving those things. But you don't have to be always just so flowery and glittery i agree well sometimes it's just there's scenarios where you really it's uh, there's really nothing that you can say and it's hard to it's really there's i just try to pay attention to like what's my anxiety why do i want to try to say something and like what do i want to try Mm -hmm. to say we used to have something called pma positive mental attitude when i was in um sales I've heard of that. We used to start like morning meetings, like we'd have like weekly meetings on Saturdays, like where it was PMA centered Uh and we'd come up with ways that you could have more PMA. Just like in in your work and like what, like what, like tactics basically, like things you can do. And like to raise your PMA and you can't sell if you don't have PMA and your numbers are down. You need to like work on your PMA and things like that. It's like the weird (laughs) capitalist inversion of the hour of hate in Orwell's 1984 (laughs) when like all the people just get together and like watch the TV at work and like hate something together and like scream at the TV, (laughs) get together and like find ways to have demonstration of positive mental attitude to boost sales. Like, Oh my God, what a, what a crazy scheme. It was like central to like every week, every week we'd have something like that. PMA. Well, uh, squickity. Um, we wish you luck in your, we'll call it, Positivic realism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we wish you luck. Good job. You're going to do great. Everything's going to be good, buddy. Gold star. <laughs> All right. We'll be back after this short break. All right, and welcome back to Fridge Talk, where we talk all fridges, <laughs> freezers, and all cooling things alike that you put your food in. Or um, your jeans. <laughs> our next question comes in from Reddit user Vajak, and the question is, which is the most toxic community fan base that you know? Well, I have a very limited knowledge of fan bases because there's so much content and so much media out there and so many different fan bases. You can really go deep with them. But from my experience, I can tell you that the only fan base more toxic than the Star Wars fan base, which is one that's (laughs) usually typically or conventionally mentioned when you talk about toxic fan bases, the only one more toxic than that. I would say is the Dune fan base. <laughs> and the, I think that I'll submit I'll submit the Dune fan base as the most toxic fan base. Um and I am a member of the Dune fan base. So I am count myself as a member of that toxicity and it is the worst. What makes it so bad? And who's in who's in the fan base? Yeah, there's a Dune fan base? Yeah, the Dune fan base is interesting. Um My experience is that it's even more dominated by men than Star Wars is. And it is very much people who have savior complexes. And it's just a bunch of guys and correcting to each other about what the what's the actual truth about, like, whatever aspect of Dune is most important um, for Mm. whatever reason. And it is, uh, people get very upset about very small things. Do they get mad that they, like, turned that character into a woman? The character of Leet Kynes from the book Dune by Frank Herbert, who in the book was just a middle-aged white guy from probably the Pacific Northwest. And in, (laughs) um, (laughs) in the movie, they took that beloved character uh, because he's really at the heart of the whole ecological and environmental narrative 
that's at the heart of the Dune books, which just mm-hmm. makes them so interesting and fascinating and was revolutionary to people in the 60s, especially for anybody who was on like that, you know, nascent environmentalist movement that was happening at that time. Um, there's this whole narrative of climate change and the transformation of the surface of this planet. Um, and it's all informed by things that people were actually doing here on Earth. Uh, Interesting. Anyways, the actual movie adaptation flopped, and it kind of just became a book that had a really big cult following for a long time. It's like an encyclopedia. Is this a universe that this guy created? Right. And it's in all these books. But then also, like, the books changed a lot after the first book, and a lot of people did not like where the books went. Mm-hmm. So that first Dune book is held as, like, the Bible in the Dune fandom. I gotcha. A lot of people consider it really as, like, the only... There's purists who are, like... You have to read all the Dune books, but really, I'm of the opinion that the only, only the first Dune book, only the first Dune book is like required reading for anybody who wants to read Dune. Like, I wouldn't even recommend like Messiah. They're all crap. All the other ones are garbage. <laughs> okay, so what you're describing is an elitism and <laughs> like yes. within the community. Okay, that you also share, but it's um... partially I share in I share in some of it, but. Yeah, people get very upset about anybody taking any sort of creative license that is not the author who is, of course, you know, it's he's passed on, so it's impossible mm-hmm. for him to contribute anything at this point. Uh, so, I don't know. People just hold his creation sacred, and I guess I just see it as... Dune is Star Wars is a rip off of Dune. <laughs> when people, I, I've never seen like the the Dune movie they made in the eighties, but I saw Star Wars, you know, right. or like I did see Dune in that I saw Star Wars. Um, and it's a rip off of Dune. It's also a rip off of a lot of other stuff. And you know, you can argue the line between homage and rip off is a is a fine one. And I don't know, Star Wars combines a lot of different things but it definitely took a lot of ideas and concepts from dune and so dune is kind of like the bookish intellectual of star wars um and for a long time had kind of like more of like a minute but like very hardcore following you have people that read it when they were like 13 years old and it changed their whole yeah, life right. here they are here we are now and like we're watching this movie that comes out in 2022 and like here's this beloved character that they always thought looked like their white suburban dad right. and you know it turns out it's a black woman and do people get upset about that in this toxic community there was a lot of negative backlash to that yeah. still is there's just a lot of people venting frustration i mean you can find wow. you can find people angry about anything online but True. it's struck me in various places especially on official dune announcements and releases and things you know um mm. And people are just really cynical about like the corporations making these movies and everything now. And I loved the new Doom movie, and I thought that the casting was phenomenal. So for me, the answer is competitive multiplayer video games <laughs> and people who want video game sequels. So competitive multiplayer video games, like I could tell you, like League of Legends or Overwatch, which are two competitive games that I've played, but. Uh, it's really just any online video game that's complicated, any competitive online video game that's kind of complicated and is team-based because then you're relying on your team to take different actions in a game. And at any point in the game, there's tons of different actions they could take. So people get frustrated when the teams are not doing exactly what they want them to or when you get paired with somebody who's maybe far below their skill level. Um, and those scenes can be so very toxic. I think, think it's more toxic than what I've seen in movies and I think it's just because you probably feel more toxic when you get more like personally connected and with these games people spend a lot of time playing and it's something that they've like practiced at and they're playing it in a competitive sense so then I think that kind of breeds that toxicity Mm. listening to what you're saying it I had a question about that Mm -hmm. um so so the games you mentioned were Overwatch and League of Legends Mm-hmm. What about Call of Duty? Um, yeah, it could be 
toxic, I guess, but Call of Duty kind of falls in the category, I would say, of another toxic community is anything where there are teenagers without moderation that can congregate. <laughs> um, so Call of Duty isn't, it's typically played more casually than some of the other games. I mean, there is like ranked play in Call of Duty, but I just don't think it's as tactical as some of the other competitive games. And I think the tactical nature of some of them leads it to become more complicated and there's more like direct different actions you can take in different situations more like strategy that plays out i was just thinking of all of those kids that were swatting each other yeah that's pretty and that was in (laughs) but that was in call of duty right yeah i and like the one where a guy actually died that was in because like the cops just shot at the first guy opened the door and it wasn't even yeah, anybody related to the situation i think it was call of duty i don't know but those i mean any it online was. game can be toxic and you can run into those toxic situations and sure personal and a lot of that comes from like one person calling another person a bitch and then like you know they just but well that's what happened with that is that it was a the they had a one dollar and fifty cent bet on a call of duty game <laughs> and the guy accidentally killed his teammate right and so the guy sent the SWAT tweet sent the SWAT team to what he thought was his house yeah but it was a different he well wow. he did he he had it sent by calling the cops and saying impersonating him and saying that he has you know had a gun and he was going to kill people and whatever and yeah i mean that takes told the cake them an address. for toxic actions Whoa. um but like that's the craziest thing i've ever heard and that was in call of duty so yeah. that counts for like you know at least a thousand people sure. saying what a save and when you miss a save in rocket league i agree um but in like a game like league of legends you're playing like a 5v5 competitive match and people can just continuously flame other people for like 20 minutes mm. straight. Whereas typically mm. in like call of duty, somebody, some, some 13 year old's going to call you a bitch. <laughs> and then, um, that's going to be the end of it, you know, or like old Xbox. Okay. What people would do is they would, um, you could send voice memos to people. So they would go and like voice memo, a person they recently played with and say just horrible things and send it to them in a voice memo. That was a thing. Um, of course, I find yeah. it. I mean, super interesting that both of you brought up like fictional fan bases. When I read this question or heard the question, I actually went to like real like life fan bases based on like political leanings. And oh, was, like, that's what I was thinking. Too, conspiracy Lori. followers. Maybe, yeah. but like <laughs> really anybody who's like so focused on a certain issue and cannot be pulled away i think uh the world that we're in right now uh as you have seen with the supreme court and all of the things happening this is not the first time not the last time but there's definitely extremists in many different places and i think those communities are very very toxic so i think those communities are so toxic though to anyone else that if you weren't in that community, you wouldn't even be like involved in the conversation. Right. So I don't even think it's so toxic that you don't even really, you're not like inside that community. Yeah. That but sense. I guess the community comes at you, right? Like you put something maybe into the world, maybe you put something on sure. Facebook. Oh, they yeah. respond yeah. to it. I mean, uh, they right. create. They, like they are a community, but they rile each other up so much that then they go out into the world and they try to spread that community around and, and in very toxic ways. Your point is bringing up something that I remember listening to. We recently were listening to a podcast about um, like school shootings and like there's this woman that... Um, you know, her daughter was a victim in a school shooting and she's become an advocate for other families going through this. Um, so when they happen, this woman will go and like travel to the the place where the new shooting happened and try to support the families. And one of the things that she said that I was dumbfounded by this, but she was warning the parents of the victims that they need to get ready for, you know, people in the public to come after them and like accuse them of like lying 
false flags, like the things that happen with like yeah, this um, would this would be conspiracy followers. It, yeah, yeah that, like, that's the most toxic I, community to me. I couldn't believe what I that this is like a thing, like that mm-hmm. it happens in every school shooting that the parents of dead children are continuously victimized by like random people online like harassing them and like doxing them like it just like blew my mind just makes me sick that's disgusting yeah totally but like it's so that's not but that's not really is that really a fan base right that's not really you're correct it's just just assholes using tools of to allow That's them to be assholes. That's a good question. I mean, I feel like around some of these conspiracies, essentially a fan base develops. Like, there, yeah. there's literally, like, communities around certain conspiracies. Yeah, yeah. That, that right. I think, is, like, the, the key that I was missing in that last piece. Like, I guess if you tie it back to his fan base, not everybody that listens to that guy is like that, obviously. But some of the avid fans were behaving like this. It ultimately comes down to what is considered a community or a fan base. But I mean, mm-hmm. you definitely have fan bases for one politician. I mean, Trump is a great example. I mean, they yeah, he has an entire fan base. fan base. You could also say Hitler had an yeah. entire fan base. Or also Jesus. They can create a movement of people, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, but they can create a community and fan base against whatever they want. And I think that, I think for me, it's a fan base that blindly follows one person can become very toxic when engaging with the rest of the world. Yeah. Any community that follows without question or logic. Yeah. All right. Any other toxic fan bases to bring up? I don't think so. All the fan bases that I'm involved with are pretty positive and great, so <laughs> I got nothing to I add. I had to leave the Dune board for a couple years. <laughs> wow. A couple years you're back do it now? anymore. You're back now, yeah, I'm back I'm back now and I have to I have to stop. <laughs> I already have to cannot read I already avoid it. Wow. Uh, I don't read it. Interesting question. I never really thought about it, to be honest. So it got me thinking. Yeah. Thanks for the question, Vajak. Um, our next question posted on Reddit by user Catork3. Um, and we're going to call this new segment, Have You Been on the Internet Lately? Where we <laughs> find questions that are very relevant to things happening on the internet. Um, so this this has been posted around. I've seen it all over Twitter. I'm not actually sure where it originates from. But the question is, your date is a 10, but it you they have one thing that you don't like and it's enough to make you lose interest what would that thing be i love this question great question for me it's if i was on a date with somebody and they were rude like if we were at a restaurant and they were rude to the wait staff that would be like almost an instantaneous turn off like mm-hmm. it would be like i'd be like never talk to me again <laughs> i hate that behavior so much can't <laughs> yeah. stand it that's a good one i think i agree i think that's a great one Dad joke alert time. <laughs> if the person sitting across from me is not my wife, then I'm not going to enjoy the date. <laughs> I, I'm going to immediately I I'm going to immediately get up and walk away. <laughs> wow, so I feel sweet. honored. I feel like I can go anywhere from person chews too loud. <laughs> To this person has never done anything wrong ever. The quiet talker. So I'm not a very good judge of character. This is very Seinfeldian. All of this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think for me, like, first of all, if I find a flaw that makes me completely uninterested, they are not a 10. Just putting that out there. Right. No, but like, that's not the the basis of the question. I know, I know. But. Whatever. I feel like if this is a situation like that happens, like I think that when the, like a complete reversal, like where you like somebody and then they do one little thing or supposedly one little thing mm-hmm. and then it like completely shuts you down. Like it's almost like, I don't know, in some cases, I feel like people are looking for a reason not to like the person. And well, just let I think it's that, more like, of like, a, you know, first impression things uh, that yeah, are like yeah, yeah. that really turn you away. 
Like, obviously, if you mm-hmm. really dig into this right. question, you could be like, well, this isn't exactly how it all works. But it's it's more of a... I think, I think you're right. I think, like, the generality is, like, what's, like, what are first impressions that you're like, uh-uh, mm-hmm. no. And, like, no matter what the person, like, whatever, how attractive they are, if you're on a date or whatever the, the mm-hmm. case is... I feel like I'm just stating the obvious, but like any, any like mean behavior towards like animals, Mm -hmm. you know, like how people interact with like animals and pets can say something. I agree. I don't know if it's a single thing, but I feel like to me, something I would be looking for in like first impressions, like if I was just meeting somebody, I would really be interested in games, music, shows they like kind of to get a picture of what kind of things interest them mm-hmm. i feel like it would be my first kind of tell of like what do we like kind of the same things um but i, I feel like i could improportionally apply that immediately like i could see myself doing that so what kind of so what would be the thing then to tip it's it not, over i guess it's not that it's like exact it's just like <laughs> if if you like you know like oh i hate sci-fi i think only children play video games and i listen to country you're out. <laughs> oh, I think I just, I think, I think that just the sci-fi one, Colton, I think that that's something a person can say, because I actually think I used to have this thought when I was a very small child. Uh-huh. And then the thought is, I'm not interested in science fiction because I'm more interested in the real world. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's and a killer. I know. That <laughs> kind of sentiment, sh- I'm done. Yeah, if you not don't interested. like fantasy or sci-fi or anything. You know, if you don't have any sort of like for that stuff, like I feel like that'd be kind of. I mean, you don't. I mean, it's okay. You don't have to like it. It's just like you know, like not even giving things a chance. You know. Okay. Fair. Close-mindedness is bad for a first impression. So another one I had, which I wasn't sure if I should say this, if it would be offensive, it would be people that like Disney too much, (laughs) like as an adult, and. So I I was then reading through the Reddit thread and I would like to bring up this post by Sarah Saris who brought up once a man started singing to me on our first date after asking me if I like Disney, then saying really intensely that I know the woman I end up with will love Disney as much as I do. (laughs) Then he started singing a whole new world really loudly in the restaurant we were in and everybody was staring and the waitress ran over and told him he needed to stop as he was disturbing the other tables. (laughs) And his response, these people are lucky they aren't having to pay for a performance like this. <laughs> if I could have melted under the table, I would have. I actually put my oh. mask back on just to be as unrecognizable as possible. <laughs> I oh, left before so the funny. food came out, and he actually tried to run after me and kiss me. Ew. I like Disney. I don't like crazy people. Oh my god, I love this <laughs> so, story. Shout out to Sarah Saras for that amazing story. Oh, Sarah, you'll find your soulmate soon, and they that is not them. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a Colton um uh uh proposed to me in a karaoke bar in Toronto and one of the songs that people were singing was that song remember? hold on hold on here you made it sound like I just proposed to you at a karaoke bar in Toronto there was much more to it than that okay we did performance art where I proposed like I don't know six times it wasn't just at a karaoke bar Anyways, that's true carry on one of six yeah <laughs> one of six performance yeah. art karaoke <laughs> yeah yeah um i also don't really like disney so that's a big red flag for me too i'd be like it's almost like performative wholesomeness and it just like kind of creeps me out a little bit and i also <laughs> don't think that there's anything wrong with adults liking disney at all it's just like yeah it's, if you're going to disney world for your wedding then i'm kind of like maybe you I like disney too fair. much no, okay. i don't know i'm sorry if you if you if I you are a person who went to disney that. world for your wedding let's have a discussion it's i mean <laughs> I think, to each their own right colton you're just yeah. saying that you don't want to have that exactly right? like, oh have your wedding wherever you want exactly yeah. Yeah. but exactly. to me the the woman i'm was well i'm married <laughs> in the past i would say the woman i was going to marry would not want to be married in disney world exactly Fuck, no <laughs> i think for me my big thing would be looking at their phone too much and not like engaging in conversation 
you know, like mm. kind of distracted, like always on their phone doing things like mm. to me, that is just a big turn off. Like if you can't just sit face to face and chat and like have a good conversation, then it's not going to fly. I agree. Yeah. So uh, one last thing for me, we kind of talked about being rude to wait staff yeah. and rude to other people. But I, I think for me, a tell would be like how they react as a wronged customer. Like if something's incorrect or how do they react when the situation is heated in a way? Right, right. But you don't always get to see that. Right. Well, the rude people, you'll know right away. <laughs> but the the people who are like hiddenly rude they don't really show it outwards unless something's up like messes up i do agree like that will show somebody's true colors but there are some horrible people out there that are just rude to, from the get-go and it's like mm-hmm. come on man we're fine and they all they feel good. like privileged right they're overly yeah. privileged and they believe that it's like their god-given right to be like mean to their server and it's just like a lack of class. Lack of respect. They probably also don't tip very well. I think there, <laughs> there is, I don't know if it's a full, like, I would be like, no. But I would definitely have a very firm conversation if, like, Oh, you do if not the person tip didn't tip. Oh, I, I thought you tip. were saying, yeah, Lori, one. I thought yeah. you were saying the people who were rude also didn't tip well. I didn't. Oh, <laughs> I mean, both. Well, yeah. I, mean, I, but, but, I, was, I feel but. like that person wouldn't tip well. But in general, <laughs> if they don't tip well, I think that's a yeah. red flag for sure. Um, yeah. But I also don't know if it would definitely be a deal breaker in that moment. I think uh, very much like a what the heck, who do you think you are kind of discussion and see how they react to that <laughs> would be really interesting. Yeah, And I think it would make me want to be more observant, too, because it's like a sign of, you know, somebody's like values and like their generosity and, and how they treat people in general. Those little things, they add up and you should be like looking for those things i think that like when you're dating somebody yeah i also right. want to declare that if they tip under a certain amount i will definitely be pulling out my wallet to fix that tip i do too <laughs> i do i'm like no that's <laughs> not gonna fly and ugh, yuck yeah <laughs> so as we um pointed out in a previous podcast uh, tips on tipping make sure you're <laughs> tipping you are your wait staff well uh be charming and don't be mean. Perfect. It's easy. Easy peasy. <laughs> How hard could it possibly be? All right. Our last question for this week, posted on Reddit by user Papery Whistle. And the question is, what is a movie that absolutely did not need a sequel? All of them. <laughs> the Titanic. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You mean the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark? No, I mean Indiana Jones and the Last oh, Crusade did see, not need a sequel. The first three were okay, but the the crystals did not. Crystal Skull does not need to exist. Hmm. What if I said? But it is kind of it is a joy. What if I said none of the Indiana Jones movies needed to exist? <laughs> I agree. I think that I think that's you know. Can you just give us the first one? Yeah. All right, first you get, one. You get the first one. <laughs> just give us one, then that's your answer. Um. So I think the Matrix. I think I the Matrix would oh, have so yes. much more clout, like as one of the greatest sci-fi movies, if Reloaded and Revelations never if existed. They just, if they just left, yeah, because I feel like it was so just such a great, amazing thing, and then it's almost like the if they just abandoned it, like a piece of old digital clothing hung out on the clothesline, <laughs> digital just freezer left to dry. Yeah, yes. <laughs> put those put those green jeans in the freezer. <laughs> Yeah, me and Colton we rewatched the original Matrix recently, and it was just, it holds up. It's just a great movie, and it's it is a classic. It really is, and I just remember loving it when it came out originally, and then like decades later, I think it's twenty years over twenty years now, isn't it? Like when did that movie come out? Like the late nineties, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, I really wanted to like the sequels, like when they came out. And I, I think I tried to convince myself I liked the second one, Matrix Reloaded, but Mm-mm. they just they just really take okay. away from the what the first one 
achieved, I feel like, with how good it was. Which I think is what they were trying to do in part. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. They were basically like, they. well, I feel like they basically made the character of Neo and then he's like the savior. It's the same thing that happened in Dune where Mm -hmm. they have the savior character that goes on this quest and finds the new world and blah, 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 blah. Right. And then it's like, okay, now you have this character that's basically just like a kind of a god. Superman. Do you know? Yeah, it's a Superman yeah. problem. What do you do then? And some thought that it would be a good idea for this character to just be like, oh, well, now he's going to experience like all the difficulties of actually being like a savior. And like all, like he's going to be like torn apart by all these different things happening and whatever. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you would say those movies are bad. Mm-hmm. But, um, among them like yeah people hated that they they just broke down the myth of that savior right Mm -hmm. and that's what they did in dune that's what dune messiah is and uh it still sucks and matrix uh reloaded still sucks (laughs) so Um, they were unwatchable Yeah. I, it's like, I mean, I watched it one time and then I was like, never again. I couldn't pay attention. Like, we tried to watch all three movies. Like, only the yeah. first one, like, easy to get through because it's a great movie. Second one, mm, third one, I could, like, not stand it. I don't think we finished it. When they did the Deus, the literal Deus Ex Machina, the literal, <laughs> they did the literal God from the machines, <laughs> which is a literal machine. <laughs> it's like. The post, the like the, uh, yeah, the Matrix is basically like if you think that 1999 was the summit of human civilization, then you think the Matrix was like a movie that makes sense. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, well, I don't um, really it's, like it. it, 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 it so, I, okay, the Matrix like story wise, I think it holds up, but I think it, I think it's getting dated because. I just thought all the stuff in the Matrix is really cool. Then the Matrix uh, reloaded. They go to Zion, and then everything's downhill from there. <laughs> that it's so boring. The Zion it is stuff. So boring. So is talking about Zion. it. You guys are stuck on the Matrix. I couldn't get through <laughs> number one. I'm uh, I'm a complete different person. But going back to the original question was about sequels. And as people may have heard me before on podcasts, I like to give the top ten. Sometimes. So, based on Rotten Tomatoes, the top 10 worst sequels of all time. I'll start with number 10 and go to number one. Number 10, Jaws the Revenge. What? Number nine. Wow. Already Daddy wrong. Day Camp. Didn't, even, didn't even know there was a sequel there. Daddy Day Camp 2? Lori, I have a question. Is yeah. this like biggest difference in score from 1 to 2? Um, or is okay, this just so lowest scored sequel? Jaws the Revenge got 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. Daddy Day Camp got 1%. But it's a number 9. Um, Atlas Shrugged. Who's John Galt? I don't know what this is. Zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> Does nobody know that? No. Atlas. Shrugged. Who is John no. Galt? John Galt. It turns out that was my favorite thing. Let me tell you what this is real quick. Atlas Shrugged, the famous novel by by objectivist author Ayn Rand. Mm-mm. And uh, objectivists, the only way to describe those people is that they are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they, they Ayn, Ayn Rand, uh, you can describe who is John Galt as well. Turns out that's kind of like the saying that like is goes throughout that book. It's like, who is John Galt? It's like this mystery. Well, let me tell you who John Galt is. John Galt is a fucking libertarian asshole. That's who John Galt is. And the book sucks. And uh, that's, I, bet the mo- I bet the movie's terrible. That too. is actually uh, part three. So it's a sequel to a sequel, which... Uh-oh. Oh my god. <laughs> it's so bad. Number seven, The Gallows Act Two. And I think and also I'll get to the second one. Um maybe these three all connect. The Ring Two is number six and Return of The Ring Two Yeah, and Return of the Living Dead Part Two. I think there are a lot of horror movies that have sequels that okay. do not need sequels. So I think that chunk is uh kind of 
reflecting. Is that because you just don't like the horror movies in general as a genre? No, I just think like The Ring, for example, the end of the first one felt pretty solid. Like they didn't need to reopen that shit. It it was it was closed. Move on. Get a different (laughs) storyline. But I think they realized that it had such a high like watch rate that they're like, oh, we're going to do a second one. It's like, no, you got to realize that you kind of closed that storyline already. It doesn't really make sense. So that's my my mm-hmm. thoughts there. Um, number four, Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. <laughs> oh, my God. They just go to the last sequel because they're all equally yeah, bad. Just wait like... till something gets really bad. <laughs> when did this fall off a cliff? <laughs> yeah, like when was it? Police Academy. And then, is Temple of Doom on there? It is not. Um, it was probably 11. It, well, there's a, actually, it's like the top 50, so... We can share this we'll out with it was many people. I'm sure it's oh on there. Oh my god! Well, this is just well. Let's just get them no, all because this is just someone's three, idea. Highlander two, the quickening. I never even heard of that. No sounds. Terrible. Number. Oh wait, that was number three. Number two, Return of the Blue Lagoon, and then number one, Super Babies, Baby Geniuses two. <laughs> what? What? All right, so that's a lot of movies I've never heard of. Yeah. Who's Which watching I think all is that a good just thing to get to, to say Super Babies. They're all bad. <laughs> Has uh, anyone seen Super Babies? No. I no, really liked Baby Geniuses babies. when I was a kid. I don't know if anybody else remembers. I that. think I should watch well, Super were Babies. Were you a baby? I was a baby. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of uh, horror movies and bad sequels. I do think there's a horror movie that has good sequels out there. What is that? Oh, what the is Conjuring. It? Oh yeah, I like the Conjuring. The Conjuring, the Conjuring, or the, the Conjuring Two? Do they just go by number? I don't know. Anyways, there's a few of those. Those are good those are sequels. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, those are that's a franchise I like. I mean, and who hasn't liked every Jason movie more than the last? <laughs> <laughs> um, there was on the number fifty on this list was uh, Halloween: The Curse of Mike Ooh. Myers. So that was number fifty. Okay, this is this list is BS. This is all based <laughs> on percentages. Yeah, I think from Rotten Tomatoes. So all right, we don't recommend the Rotten Tomatoes worst sequels list because you've never heard of them. <laughs> Wait, yeah. I mean they're probably pretty bad, and they did not need to have them. But I think, see, I think to say what movies absolutely did not need a sequel. I think if the first movie was bad. It doesn't really matter if that movie gets a sequel. But when the first movie's good, the fact that that movie doesn't need a sequel because it's a good movie, so you don't want to ruin its good name out there by putting The Matrix Reloaded out. <laughs> but I wonder if they if they had never made a sequel, if people would have seen that as then the greatest missed opportunity. I'd rather have that. Where there should have been a Matrix sequel. You'd rather have the missed opportunity yeah. and never knowing. Yeah, because yeah. at any time they could just make another one. But it, you can't erase... You know, those blights from the history. I I do think the harder question might be, though, what movie had a sequel better than the original? Ooh. I think that's actually a harder question than what movie didn't need a sequel. I think you know the what movie only needs more one... sequels? Spider-Man. I, I can... Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a question for the world. There is talks about Hocus Pocus getting a Hocus Pocus 2. I think since that's already like a cult classic, and I, I guess it would depend who's like in it, who's directing it. I guess the question would be, can you come up with a reason why Hocus Pocus needs a sequel? I mean, because that I think would be entertaining. Okay. I want to find out what happened to that cat. <laughs> Binks? Binks, yeah. <laughs> It's supposed to come out in 2022, but I do think you got to something, um, Jessica. For a sequel, you at least have to have the same actors or actresses yeah. playing those parts. I have seen, <laughs> I've seen sequels where they pretend that this person is not like it is the same right. person, but it's a completely different actor. That, what kind of me, cut rate movies are you baffles watching? Baffles my mind. Well. I mean, I shouldn't talk about it. It's definitely <laughs> Halloween Town 4, but whatever. <laughs> but I do, I mean, there have been a couple. I can't think of them, but I have seen things where they either right. take out certain main characters because they're not playing it, or they try to kind of pretend that those people right. are those same characters. Or, conveniently, a character just gets killed off 
Mm. Yeah. The old classic soap opera, you know? Can't <laughs> reach a contract deal? Mm. Disappeared. <laughs> and then sometimes they randomly show back up. But I do think that if you're going to make a sequel, you need to have the same cast and crew that go with you. Or at least a, a lot of them. Yeah. If you're going to make a sequel, make sure it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Profound thought. Good summary. <laughs> if you need somebody to help you with your sequel decisions, I will offer consulting services. Um, just email me. It's in the form of a yes uh, yes or no. <laughs> That's all the questions we have for today. Um, uh, big thank you to the internet for providing us all these glorious <laughs> questions so we can feed on them. Um, you can, if you'd like to direct us to any questions on Reddit for consideration on the show, please email us at nostupidanswerspodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us on Twitter at N-O-S-A underscore podcast. Um, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. If you like what we're doing here, give us five stars on your podcast app of choice, as that will help us out the most. And we'll see you next time. Bye, all. Great fandoms, Monoprice, mini 3D printers. Great, great community and fandom around those. A lot of, a lot of middle-aged guys just trying to make some cool toys. <laughs> <laughs>